Hey everyone, welcome to the Wallet Podcast and welcome back to all the regular loyal listeners. Thanks again for tuning in. We've been going a full year now, 365 days, and this is episode 88 and a pretty special one at that. But before we get into it, I'd like to thank Pomeroy's Coffee for creating the Waterlad Brew. If you enjoy a coffee, make sure you go get yourself some Waterlad Coffee Beans and help support the podcast. It is literally the best coffee bean in the market, so no excuses. Go get yourself some of that. Also, thanks to anyone who's bought themselves some Lad merch. It is very much appreciated. And if you do enjoy the podcast and you do want to support it and help it keep running, then please go get yourself a tea, hat or hoodie by heading over to waterlad.com and everything you need to know is on that website. And any questions, feel free to message me on the Waterlad Instagram page. I will get back to you. Anyway, we have a massive one today, so let's get to it. What a lad, and my word, do I have one of the biggest lads in the game on the podcast for you today. Not only is he an absolute lad, but he's also one of the greatest players to ever play the game. He literally is one of the greats. He's done it all. He's won the Super Rugby, Rugby Championships, Bledisloe Cups, the Rugby World Cup, and he's twice been named the best player on the planet. He is the biggest name in world rugby. It is, of course, the one and only Bowden Barrett. Welcome, Baz. Thanks, Jebba. I missed out on a top league recently, so that actually hurts me to bring all those up, but still a bit of time to get that. I had it penciled in too. I, I thought you guys were home. Oh, no, nah, they're a pretty good side. Yeah. How did you find the top league over there? Um, shit, it was an eye-opener. Um, not just the rugby, but the whole COVID scenario, living mm. scenario. Um. I guess the rules and restrictions, like we didn't play one game all year where we were allowed to have a beer after the game, just little oh, things true. like that. Yeah. Um, big reason why we sort of play is, you know, you train hard with the boys throughout the whole week and you enjoy those moments after the sheds, cracking a tin yeah. or two. But um, yeah. no, nah, it was just black and white. Even uh, for the foreign players, like we live in a, we lived in a, an apartment block together, like there were real strict rules around us seeing each other and so on. So from a social side of uh, things, it was a challenging six months, but um, the lads were great lads, the Suntory boys, um, very good club to be part of. And yeah, the rugby was, it was surprisingly good footy. Like the gap between the top and the bottom was pretty big, but um, when you get in the top, top six or eight teams you're playing some decent footy but you made it look incredibly easy you were scoring points for fun <laughs> but it was actually it was actually tough even for you mate like we've got some good players in our team and you're yeah, mm. against the weaker opponents so to speak uh yeah there were moments here where it looked like we were playing schoolboys. but um yeah like i said the, the teams at the top they're very good teams and um i think it's going to get better up there the university footy is very strong and there's a lot of keen young players up there coming through. So it's a different game to what it was four years ago up there or five years ago. People think that you come over to Japan for a holiday, but it's everything but that. Train yeah. like bloody Tarzan. <laughs> Long training. So was that even at Suntory too? I thought they might have sort of had a bit more professional approach. It was professional, but the load management was 
an eye opener. Like we're doing speed on a Monday after league weights that morning, and we play on Saturday. It's like, honestly, I. And to their credit, they get on with it. There's not many injuries, and yeah, it really opened my eyes up. But um, it's not something I'll be continuing back in New Zealand. <laughs> Well, that's one thing with the Japanese players. Eh? They'll never question um, yeah. reasons of why or even game plan and stuff. They'll, they'll just always just say yes and just do it. Eh? But exactly. I guess that's what the foreign players do a little bit differently. You would have been questioning all sorts. Look, I struggled at the start. I was at the, t- I was at the back of the room biting my tongue in a lot of meetings. But, um, <laughs> you know, you talk to the foreign players, you offer suggestions. If you've got a good case and it's rational they are very open to to change um yeah but if you go on there and you don't sell it well they're probably just going to nod say yeah hi hi and then move on and nothing will actually happen so you've got to be yeah quite rational and have good meaning behind any sort of change you want to make but it was fun with you i I thought they might have because it was you they would have just listened to whatever you said but no you had to still sell the (laughs) sell the dream as well Oh, they listen, but whether there was change or not. <laughs> so outside of rugby, outside the, of training and playing, you were just pretty much, um, you just had to be in your apartment, did you? You couldn't really go out. Well, we could go out. We had to wear a mask every time we, you know, went out. Um, you know, Han and the girls would often meet for coffee and lunch and so on because they just needed to for sanity. Uh, yeah. But we weren't allowed to go out for a coffee, lunch, dinner with any teammates. Um, you were allowed to host a teammate up till 8 o'clock because after 8 o'clock you start making bad decisions. So it's time to go home. <laughs> <laughs> so there are heaps of these rules. It was, um, oh, undoubtedly we, we pushed the boundaries at times because we needed to, to, you know, to remain sane and... Um, yeah to celebrate a few wins along the way as well. Well, there's plenty of those for sure. How, how do you think the top Japanese teams would go in Super Rugby? Yeah, I, I genuinely think uh, the top, so like um, Panasuntory, Kubota, Toyota, even TJ's team would um, would go pretty well. Yeah. I don't. I think the top four wouldn't look out of place in the trans-Tasman competition. If you were at Suntory, would you win (laughs) trans-Tasman? We actually, guys like Samu Karevi and Sean McMahon and um, Harry Hawkins and that, like, we were talking about it quite a bit. Yeah. um, Thinking, gosh, it'd be cool to play. And even um, Nagi, our halfback, and Ryoto, our 12, just thinking, gosh, it'd be cool to play Super Rugby. Um, yeah. You know, their appetite for footy and playing against Kiwi and Australian teams is so strong and they're just hoping for the opportunity or, yeah, they're very open for something like this because mm. um, they're bloody good players. Yeah. Is that the next step, you think, uh, for Super Rugby to introduce Japanese sides like that? Oh, I'd love for that to happen. Um, yeah. There's a lot that I have learnt from playing in, in Japan and, I think they would offer some significant value to the competition with the way they play. Uh, it's 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 fast, generally fast ruck speed, um, mm. 
continuity's right up there. The ball and play time is right up there. Honestly, it's some good footy, good footy to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. For that reason. Oh. And would all black players be allowed to play over in Japan? Gosh, this is. Um, who knows? I would love for Japan teams to play in the Super Rugby, um, but then obviously it comes down to the contractual rules of New Zealand rugby. How the, you know, at the yeah. moment there's, it's all negotiation. Uh, Brody, Sam, Whitelock, and myself, TJ had the opportunity to play. Uh, so it, it is, there is a little grey area there. It's not black and white yet. Um, yeah. Australian rugby have the ghetto rule. I think if you play over 60 or 80 tests for the Wallabies, you can come back and play play for them um, if you're playing your franchise or club rugby offshore. So yeah, I don't know. That may come into play at some stage, but at the moment, I think our game's in a good enough state here where there's plenty of talent coming through and we don't need to do that. Mate, I hope you're on the um, Players Association board. You've got some good stuff in that head. That's one thing Japan rugby needs, actually. Yeah, you should take <laughs> oh over the Japanese God. one. <laughs> I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, there's some stories that come out about contracts and all sorts over there, eh? Not ideal. But anyway, what a career you've had. So much stuff to try and get through in a podcast, but we'll try and touch on as much as we can. But like all good stories, it's got to start somewhere, so... A lot of people want to know where you, how your story started because obviously two other brothers have become All Blacks. You guys were yep. obviously doing something right. What was it? Um, gosh, we had some real good games of backyard footy. and World class. <laughs> we, we had some the Crowley um, brothers, or Crowley family just down the road. That's uh, Logan. He's now playing for the Stags and he's back playing in Taranaki and Daniel. Um, so we had some good numbers. Um, yeah. Occasionally Jenna, my, the oldest, younger sister, played to make up numbers to even it out. But yeah, we watched Dad play for Coastal and, and Taranaki and the Hurricanes and um, they were so supportive and encouraged to see us play. And yeah, it was just a passion from a, a young age. We all mm. loved kicking the ball around, getting out there. Um, sliding in the mud. Um, we used to have a floodlight out on our on our lawn um, oh, where we could right. go out and in the winter time kick kick and you know muck around, play force back right through to dinner time at six thirty. So yeah, it was just a genuine passion. Yeah, who was the gun at a young age, like in that backyard? Who who'd you want on your side? Kane was always like obviously Kane and I had to go one each, but then. After that, Geordie was always a good distributor and he had a good eye for space and, and timing and that. But he was always the runt. He was always yeah. the youngest. So, so whether you wanted a bit of bulk with Blake and Scott <laughs> or whether you go for the skill with Geordie. So it was always <laughs> tough. And then you throw Daniel and Logan Crowley into it. It's, um, it, was never, it was never the same. It was always good fun. So what's the age difference between you all? Uh well, Kane is uh, 31, I'm 30, Scott's 27, oh, yeah. Blake 25 or 6, Geordie I think is 24, oh, true. Jenna's maybe 21, Zara 18, Ella 16. There's a decent age gap for Geordie. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, but he was brave 
he used to just fly and low at the knees, like, and yeah. just hold on for dear life. It's probably why he's so courageous these days and rips into everything. Yeah, well, now that he's got massive, it's <laughs> he still <laughs> plays like that little fella that needs to be. Yeah, he does. Needs to be brave. Short fuse too. We used to wind him up. <laughs> well, he's still got that. <laughs> and Blake, how, how did Blake go? Because he's obviously the one that a lot of people won't know, but he, by all accounts, he was one of the most talented. Oh, he was he was real good. Um, gutsy, uh, just your typical grinding loose forward um, mm. with good skills. Good game awareness and that. Um, unfortunately, he just struggled with a bit of size when he got to you know his late teens, and yeah. in that position, you need to be quite big to have some impact and dominance. So that's probably where he um, unfortunately didn't kick on to higher honours. But um, yeah. in terms of skill and work rate, like he's up there with you know the best. True. Oh, get him a contract. Good cricketer too. Is he? Yep. You all were too, weren't you? Except probably Kane. Yeah, except Kane. Uh, Kane was into his fishing more, so in the summer we'd get out the lawnmower, get out the big roller, and the BCG would look pretty good. We'd have um, the cousins would come over once again. Josh down the road, Josh Barrett's a good cricketer. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd be out there for hours in the summertime get the old ball out and insulation tape, make it swing, <laughs> all the tricks. Who was the gun cricketer? Geordie. Geordie was known for his worm burners. Oh, so yeah. he used to steam in with fire in his belly and just bowl decent line of length. And he'd just, like, he'd have tears in his eyes because he'd try that hard. And occasionally he'd just clean us up because the ball would go under the bat and he was known for his worm burners. It was probably the only way he got us out. <laughs> so, like, Scott was good. He was a steady, uh, outswinging bowler, a decent batter. Same with Blake. Mm. But, yeah, Geordie was the funny one. And were you always a freakish talent, like, in terms of rugby? Were you always naturally gifted? Um, I don't think so, like. From a physical point of view, I wasn't freakish or gifted or anything like that. Um, I was quite a runt, actually. And, you know, I was always... Uh, I think when I went to France Douglas in year nine, I might have been in my late 60s. No, mid-60s. Oh, yeah. Uh, early 60s. So I was I was really small, played halfback. And oh, yeah, halfback. Yeah, yeah. Eventually <laughs> grew a bit. Taller and um, turn into turn into a ten fifteen, um, but no, I I guess the difference was well, I made up for it with my passing and kicking off both hands and feet, and um, I was quite fit as well, so I had to work hard. And were you fast? No, I I wasn't. It wasn't until um, probably my first summer out of school uh, when Clarkie Laidlaw asked me to play sevens. Yeah, I, I was getting into starting to do a bit of leg weights and um, started to realise a bit of speed and I think against men uh, because I wasn't a big bloke I realised I needed to be evasive and, and be find some pace and I did that summer um, we played down in Queenstown played for the Naki Sevens and yeah. um, even then I surprised myself made a couple of line breaks and I thought oh gosh 
where did this come from? But I think it was <laughs> genuinely like probably a good six week period of hard training. Um, yeah. And that sevens, sevens training got me prepped for that tournament. That's awesome. Six weeks and you just got flying <laughs> speed for the rest of your life. It was <laughs> from being a, program. being a schoolboy to playing men. It was quite a daunting um, yeah. transition. Because you, you obviously, you missed out on New Zealand schools too, didn't you? Yeah. So it was around that time um, I was finishing up. I was tossing up whether I'd go over to uh, Melbourne and play some Aussie rules and go to university there. Wow. Or go down to Dunedin and become a Scarfy. Yeah. And thankfully, Clarkie gave me this opportunity, which went down to Queenstown, Titch picked me in the New Zealand squad. And um, I didn't want to be a Scarfy and be in the New Zealand 7 squad because yeah. that wouldn't last too <laughs> long, I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed stayed in the Naki and um, got a job. And yeah, continued training with the uh, academy, actually, with Taranaki Rugby. So how close were you to going to AFL? Like how far how far through that did you get? So we had a brother, brother Peter Smythe, um, an Australian man was a teacher at Francis Douglas and he was passionate about Aussie rules. Often he'd have me down there on the field at Francis Douglas practicing my AFL punt, which is a great way to practice out a punt properly. And um he's always hoping for one of the boys from Francis Douglas to go over and play Aussie rules. Yeah. And he almost had me, but yeah, it was probably the sevens opportunity that I took. If that didn't go well, then yeah, it was a genuine chance. True, man. What a different career that would have been. Yeah, it would, would have been a fun experience. I love the game. It's a great, um, quite a simple game. Um, but yeah, it was. I gave it a go. It's more just the, those handles, um, getting the ball away yeah. and it's a bit different of passing a rugby ball. Like you've got to sort of punch it out. So all those sorts of things would yeah. have taken a bit of time or transition. But in terms of running, uh, fitness, punting, catching, like I thought it would have suited me. So TJ obviously looked to going to league. Would you ever look to do a late switch over to AFL? Oh, no, nah, not now. I still practice with AFL ball. I'll, I'll carry, I carry one with me wherever I go, oh, and it's, it's good fun. But um, no, nah, it's it's too big a shift to make now. Mm, no, nah, fair enough. It is. It's not quite as similar as league to union, is it? It's it's a little bit different. It is, and I mean, this thirty-year-old engine. It'll be quite <laughs> a step up playing. I don't know how many k's they run a game. It, it's fifteen plus some of them. Yeah, but let's be honest, your running is not an issue. You could run for years. <laughs> yes. No, it'd be a big call to go over there and play AFL, but um, I still watch it. It's a great, yeah. great game to watch. So go back to your New Zealand Seven. So Titch called you in um, after carving up for Taranaki down in Queenstown. What was it like going into that environment? Gosh, it was... Um, thankfully, Ben Soonis and Crut Baker took me under their wing, made it, made it a lot easier. Um, I was so intimidated by, you know, DJ Forbes and Zah Lawrence, guys like that. Timmy Mickelson also took me under his wing. So I was thankful for that. But yeah, I was scared of Titch. Like, <laughs> shit scared of Titch. <laughs> but lucky you would have dominated the fitness testing and all that. Nah, the boys, I mean, it's quite an even playing field when you get to that level. Um we used to do a test called the phosphate where you run 10, 40 metres every, 
every minute or something. Maybe and less. Might be 30 seconds. Yeah, and it basically, because they know your th- uh, 40 meter sprint time, one off. Yeah. So Titch is watching it the whole time and he watches to see if you decline or how big the decline is. So yeah. Crut used to clean that up. Um, yeah, some of the, or definitely the harder sessions were those were those um, Mount Monganui camps where Titch absolutely bossed the trainer, said, look, you're done. And then he finished off the session, just went old school with it. Yeah. <laughs> and you impressed enough to make a few tournaments? Yeah, made two actually at the end of the season. Um, I had to be quite very patient. So I was playing a little bit of club rugby for Coastal and, um, yeah, still actually um, trying to do that hypertrophy program because I was still a runt uh, with the academy boys at at the Union in Taranaki. And at that time, Coops offered me a, a contract with Taranaki. So I was playing a bit of Coastal Club. So that sort of set up the year nicely. In May, I made... Um, I got selected to play the Twickenham and uh, Murrayfield tournaments, so got a got a little tour under my belt, and then uh, yeah, into a Mitre Ten Cup season. Or well, back then it was ITM, I think. And you made an instant impact for Taranaki. I remember the big long mop, um, skinny frame. <laughs> you must you must have been much more than your schoolboy weight because you were still very skinny yeah. when you burst onto the scene, weren't you? Yeah, I was in my seventies, um, <laughs> like maybe seventy-eight kilos. Yeah. So that's that's a little bit lighter than Damien McKenzie, but uh, obviously I'm a bit taller than Damo, so I was a rake. <laughs> <laughs> but did you feel comfortable? Because you were at ten too, weren't you? So you're obviously um, running the cutter for a pretty um, experienced Taranaki squad. Yeah. Um, oh, Leo and Coops managed me really well. I was off the bench for most of the games. Um, Willie Repia started most of them, and um, I learned quite a bit from him in terms of uh, how to manage a team or run a team. Yeah, it was so daunting. Guys like Craig Clark and Pig Eaton, yeah, um, literally guys who I was at school the year before watching going to the game Yarra Stadium watching them play and now I was playing with them it was, it was pretty pretty scary Scooter Waldrum yeah. you know <laughs> some great players and you were a big part of a Shield success was it I'm not sure if it was that year or the year after but it was a year yeah. after year that was talk me through oh, that one that was so good um, yeah we, we went down to in Chicago actually the Stags had the Shield for a Decent stint, a number of weeks, mm. and um, uh, yeah, we managed to win. I think there was four points in it, there were two points in it. There wasn't much in it, just one of those cold, wet Invercargill yeah. nights, and um, yeah, we managed to win the Shield. Still one of the best moments, rugby moments in my in my career. But we had to get back on the plane, and uh, we had a four day turnaround four or five day turnaround um, so we had one defence against the Hawks Bay to then have it for the summer which we achieved and that's when we got to really celebrate oh that would have been a good one and oh, I could have at, uh, at our flat you could imagine it <laughs> Jason Eden Jared Hawata oh, Crut Baker no. <laughs> <laughs> Crutto would have been in full steam yeah an absolute pest so then um, in 2011, you made the Hurricanes wider squad. 
and I think you managed to pick up a few games towards the back end of that season. Yeah, so I was chipping away, trying to put some size on. Davy Gray had me doing 10 gym sessions a week. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. But eventually got a, a chance. Um, I think Crudes got injured in oh, yeah. uh, Melbourne, and I got called over because they went from Melbourne to um, South Africa which I came off the bench in that next game against the Cheetahs. We won 47-50. I think <laughs> Drushy or Colsey scored on full time and it was oh, the game. Oh, that of, game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, yeah, so that was uh, my first cap. Um, had a good night that next uh, that night. And then we went to Cape Town for some reason and I was rooming with Andrew Hoare and mm. I just, I honestly didn't see him all week apart from at training. Um, so I was made aware that uh, Hammer cut him as, as, as captain and um, Hori being Hori uh, went to the pub most nights and <laughs> that was the way he prepared for it. the Sharks that next uh, weekend and he played an absolute screamer. Oh, Credit he was to still him. playing. <laughs> yeah, he, he honestly had the best game of his season. And I was sitting there on the bench like, how is this guy running? Because <laughs> I, I could only assume what they're getting up to. But, um, yeah, that's to his credit, he fronted up. That's just the old school uh, yeah. man he is, the way, the way he was. And I think Jason Eden was his wingman. Oh, true. Yeah, so then 2012 was when you got your first full contract. Yep. That, that was um, my first full year and. I was happy that I went about it the way I did because I really did need that wider training group year to mm. uh, develop physically. But it, but as well, um, I don't want to be thrown in the deep end as a young first five, um, straight out of sevens, not understanding how to run a game because it does take a lot of time. I think being patient there was crucial. Uh, so yeah, I see a lot of young players these days and good example is Jacob Nipkins um, at the Blues. Like, I'm happy yeah. that the Blues aren't rushing him this year. Uh, he's still a young, very young kid. Same school, very similar path to me, but um, I just know that he'll be a good player in the future because he's got a good head on his shoulders. He has been patient, and we know how talented he is. He carved mm-hmm. up Mitre 10 last year, and, yeah, he's one, one to watch. So did you feel comfortable when you got your first start at the Canes? I wouldn't say I felt like comfortable, but I was um, confident in my ability and ready to go um, based on the what I knew at the time and the preparation that I had. I was more, did I feel physically up to it and yeah. able to handle the force and power of these big South African um, players, you know, even big Aussies and New Zealanders? And yeah. the answer was, yeah. Um, you did. I felt a lot better than I did the year before. <laughs> and you still had your speed from that six weeks training. That six-week camp, <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to be able to start selling um, Bodie's six-week speed plans for millions. <laughs> Go and see Davey Gray. He'll sort you out. <laughs> and then obviously you had a... Huge career, massive influence on that Hurricane side over the last, oh, I can't remember how many years it's been, probably seven or so years, but mate, you've had a huge influence on that squad. 
any highlights from your Hurricanes career? Obviously, two finals um, were pretty special, but anything that stand out for you? Um, definitely the 2016 final. Um, yeah, to, to lose the previous year at the Caton and then mm. come back and win it the following year was so satisfying. Um, to play 100 was, was pretty special. Uh, to run out with Big Bama, mm. just playing his 100th super game the same day and beat the Crusaders uh, was pretty cool. But I guess when I look back on my time at the Canes, it's more the friendships and the, I guess, those fun moments throughout the journey, like mm. the days off playing golf, uh, the trips to South Africa, um, you know, the chats in the changing room, all those I think that's prob- those are probably the fondest things. Um, mm. You know, I won't remember too many games, um, but yeah, I guess that's smelling the roses and enjoying the moments along the way is probably the most important thing. And uh, I guess as I look to finish up my own career in the next hopefully ten years, um, I just oh, remind myself <laughs> each day that um, you know just enjoy each day because it's gone bloody quick. Yeah, it does, eh? Wow, that's that's powerful stuff mid-podcast. I like that. Smell the roses. Love it. <laughs> Ten years, maybe? Ten, Ten more years, years left. <laughs> what do you reckon? I'm 40? including Coastal Senior Thirds. <laughs> How is, is your body feeling good, though? You, you feel like you've got plenty of years left. Yeah, I went to Japan after um, last year's international season. Um, pretty like not broken but my Achilles was giving me some big troubles like I I hadn't been able to work on speed for um you know a good year and Mm. you know I was was literally limited to 60 minutes training time um one time a day for all of that international season so It was quite frustrating um, not to be able to work on extra things, um, but also to start training a little bit later so that I'd be able to finish with with the team. So went over to Japan and um, we fixed it and it's feeling really good and I've been able to work on um, heaps of other things. So I came back to New Zealand uh, feeling really fresh and after a season of very fast footy up there um yeah hopefully i'll be in good stead for this upcoming whatever is around the corner mate how good's that and you obviously were surviving the three-hour training sessions over there so no time limits <laughs> no time restrictions they didn't go too long it was more the intensity like oh, the amount it? of body on body just like absolutely killing each other um <laughs> on a tuesday um yeah they they just I think it's the samurai style in them. Like they just <laughs> are so brave and courageous. <laughs> and Milton, Milton loves it too. He's our head coach, Milton oh, Hager. He, yeah, he just he's been up in Georgia for a number of years, and I think he he gets off on that bone yeah. on bone. The Georgians do too. So then, obviously, your All Black career, uh, 2012, you made your debut there as well. So that all happened pretty quick. Yeah, it did. Um, it was played in Hamilton, actually, against the Irish. Um, 
yeah, went from rooming with Richie and Dan and to my first four weeks, uh, I was thrown in the deep end there. Um, gosh, it seems like a long time ago, uh, but yeah, I was just a, a young boy. Uh, I was like a sponge, you know, just soaking it, taking it all in. DC and Crudes were there. Um, I was learning so much from them, just waiting for my opportunity and um, played little roles off the bench every now and then, coming on at 15 or 10. Mm. Do all the backs on debut always room with DC? Because it seems to be a common trend. The Fords seem to, their first roomer used to be Richie and all the backs' first roomer used to be DC. I think it's generally the new guys are roomed with the experienced guys. Oh, yeah. So um, if you're on a three-week, um, say, the upcoming July series, uh, if there's a bolter or a new guy, they'll typically be with the older guys. Yeah. Just to, oh, for whatever reason, Shandy yeah. makes the call. You're obviously the big dog now, so you get all the new guys <laughs> rooming with you, eh? No, nah, they'll be with Nugget, Aaron Smith. <laughs> Uh, any other moments that stand out for your All Black career? Obviously, um, the 2015 World Cup was one of the greats, and there was a moment in that game, in that final, surely. <laughs> Still gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah, actually, there was a moment um, when Ben Smith got yellow carded. I thought, oh, gosh, what's going to happen here? It's going to affect me one way or another, whether I come on or whether that's delayed. or Yeah. That, so that was quite nerve-wracking. Um, it's always nerve-wracking coming off the bench. Mm. Um, just there are so many different variables. You don't know if you're going to come on in the 20th minute. I have for DC before um, yeah. when Bismarck Duplessis cleaned him up and at Eden Park. So you've just got to be ready. Yeah. Bender got yellow card. I came on a bit later than probably planned or for what I hoped. But, yeah, obviously that last try was pretty nice. Yeah, or oh, fresh legs, the six-week speed program <laughs> in full, <laughs> full noise. Did you always know you were going to get that? Uh, no, that last nudge, it didn't. I was hoping it would have sat up for me before that, but I had to yeah. somehow, at reasonably high pace, it made contact with my knee or shin, so I was so yeah. happy with how it came out after that because, yeah, they can go anywhere. Oh. Mate, what a try, what a moment. But you, you've scored tries like that so often throughout your career, these sort of freakish tries which look like um, look like a bit of a fluke, but, mate, you've just got a knack of scoring them consistently. So you've got a bit of a gift there. Oh, that that's very nice of you to say. Um, <laughs> it's honestly, a lot of it's instinctive. You don't have time to think too much. You just yeah. get on with it and do it. But... Um, Oh, look, there's got to be a degree of learning those little skills when you're mucking around, exploring, uh, mm. playing in the backyard, doing stupid trick shots or whatever with your mates. Like, there's a degree of training for those moments. Yeah. Is it your speed? Because your speed, um, like, when you're tested for speed, you're not hugely rapid, are you? But on the field, like, there's no one who will ever catch you. Oh, no, there is. But <laughs> <laughs> I think, It's just um, never happened yet. <laughs> no, no, it's more that uh, from the early days, like I was, I've always been fit. And yeah. I guess if you can be 
reasonably fast and fit. I think you just stay faster for longer and mm. can outlast out and out speedsters. Yeah. Because I don't know. I'm not rapid. I don't test fast. It's just, yeah, yeah when I get boots on and when I'm on the turf, I feel far, probably the fastest I can possibly feel, mm. other than probably on an athletics track and spikes. Your rugby speed is definitely the quickest out there. So I'm glad you answered it like that because that's what I said. I think it's your ability to keep your speed. You don't lose speed no matter how far through the game you are. Like, it could be the 80th minute and you're still the same speed as you are when you've first kicked off. Goes back to that phosphate test that Titch had us yeah. uh, do. You know those ten forty meters every thirty seconds or whatever. It's so relevant if you're back and you're playing eighty minutes um, mm. to be able to dig deep and have that in, in your tank at the end of the game. But I mean, look, I'm thirty now. Hopefully, I can keep that up. You've got the engine as well, haven't you? Because your Bronco is one of the quickest Broncos ever recorded. Um, you broke all sorts of records with that last year, and you've probably beaten it since. No, I haven't gone near it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's I had a lockdown to sort of prepare for that. Um, yeah, I, I worked very hard on my physicality side of things because there's nothing else to do. Um, mm. But yeah, I've always mum's been very encouraging when it comes to the my fitness. Like she'd always encourage me to run home from school. Um, when I was at that primary school and it was a 4K uh, run and that would prepare me for cross country, which um, I'd usually do pretty well at yeah. and it would set me up, you know, for rugby and, and whatever other sport I decided to play. So I've got a, I guess the, the hard work was done at a young, young age and um, although I may have been naturally gifted, you've, I still had to work, work hard. And you still do. Yeah, it's important. Um, you know, there's, oh, I don't like being complacent or I don't like that slipping in um, at times because there's always someone knocking on your door. Um, you know, there are people now knocking on the door and it's always going to be there. So mm. I guess just got to keep looking myself in the mirror, asking if I'm giving it as much as I can. And if I am, then that's all the satisfaction that I need. Powerful. Well, you talked about people knocking on the door. So after that World Cup when Carter left, was this your sort of opportunity to try and get this All Blacks starting 10 jersey? Yeah, it was an opportunity. Um, I mean, even with DCD, I still saw it as an opportunity. Um, I guess with completely different players, um, it just came down to what Steve and Fozzie saw. Um, mm. And yeah, initially in that 16 season, they picked Crudes. And unfortunately, he got injured in Wellington, I think, or in the second test. And yeah, I managed to take an opportunity and sort of ran with it for a while. And never let go. Yeah, it's. Um, I look back on it and it's been, every year's been so different. Um, yeah. You know, you throw in a Lions series in, in the middle of it um, and then a World Cup uh, either side and playing around with 10s, experimenting with 15 and so on. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been a bit of a journey. And in 2016, this is your first year, you've sort of cemented the All Black 10 jersey. you become the official best player on the planet. How was that? That must have been pretty surreal. 
Yeah, it was. I guess I was so um, I was so caught up in the process and the week to week of preparing, playing that I was quite shook when I when it was announced and um, mm. almost embarrassed because I know how much of a I know how reliant I am on my teammates around me and a good forward pack and things like that. Um, that I was kind of surprised and embarrassed to receive that award, but I guess that's just who I am. Um, I didn't expect it or anything like that, but um, yeah, it was nice to be rewarded for a probably a breakout season. Yeah, but then you backed it up the following year and you won it again. Only only Dan Carter and Richie McCaw had won it twice before and you joined that list. So, mate, how was that one the second time around? Um, it was... Once again, I was reluctant because I knew that I still had so much to offer and I knew that I, it wasn't a perfect season and uh, I knew how good I can be because I hadn't reached my potential and you know I received that award so yeah I received it with reluctance and um yeah it wasn't it wasn't too satisfying to be honest well that's interesting did you did you ever feel like you're the best player in the world or do you ever feel get that feeling like I am the best it's so subjective and um I just try and be the best I can be because I know I can judge that, mm. um, whereas this award is there's a panel, there's a committee or whatever that that selects it. But um, I judge myself on myself because that's mm. my that's my mark. I know if I've achieved what I can, or if there's still plenty left in the tank, and so on. So, yeah. Speaking to TJ, he obviously said that he's got a mindset where he feels like he's the best player on the field every time he goes out on that rugby field. Do you feel like that or you, your mindset's a little bit different, I'd imagine? Um, yeah, I, I think I can relate to what TJ's saying. Um, yeah. In terms of, yeah, you want to be that guy where people are like, wow, look at him. But so much goes on in the game. When you look back on the game, when you go through clips, I'll judge myself on, look, at that time, was I the best I could have been? Um, mm. Did I miss an opportunity here? And I'll get annoyed at the smallest things that people probably don't even judge or, or see yeah. or, or understand. So it's one thing to look at, oh, he scored three tries, he had an awesome game, but it's all those finer details where I think individuals judge themselves on. Um, mm. And that's typically how I would, reflect on my games speaking of scoring lots of tries there's one game in particular where you oh you'd done something before that game four tries against Australia <laughs> everything just worked that game it was just one of those moments where it must have been like wow what is happening here yeah exactly for that game it was one of those games where you know some the ball just finds you near the try line in some games and, and you're the lucky one to fall over and it all came together that day for me from a try scoring point of view um, but once again I look at that game there were so many missed opportunities and things that I, I was annoyed about um, but people think look he had an absolutely outstanding game but yeah. I'm sitting there like well 
yes, four tries was nice, but mm. you know that's what you read in the newspaper. But um, you look at the tape, and <laughs> I'm there on Monday kicking myself. <laughs> well, I look at my <laughs> fantasy team and see that you're my captain, and oh, happy days! <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm that might have been the biggest fantasy score in history you got that day. <laughs> oh, jeez. Line breaks, tries, try assists, kicking, everything. You did it all. <laughs> but then the 2019 World Cup in Japan. Talk me through this one. Yeah, it was It was a great 10 weeks. Gosh, it was a long time. We are in Japan uh, for mm. a tournament. You know, we're, we're really enjoying the footy, I guess, trying to take it one week at a time, one game at a time, and earning the right to play in the quarterfinal. And, yeah, there's a typhoon in the mix where we, we missed out on a game against Italy. Um, so that was, that was quite interesting. Um, yeah, we lost, we lost our grandfather. Uh, that was very um, sudden and so sad just before the quarterfinal, the Irish test. So there's quite a few disruptions and... Um, yeah, got to the quarterfinal and we, we had the game of the tournament um, against mm-hmm. Ireland. We had previous history where there was a lot on it emotionally for us and we gave, yeah, we we emptied our tanks for them um, or on them. So I guess when you look at the semi-final, we, we didn't achieve that same intensity which we needed to. Um, and on the flip side, England brought that. Mm. And they would probably say themselves, they didn't bring it the following week. So it's so hard to back it up um, week in, week out at that level mm. um, and the intensity it, it requires. So it was so unfortunate. They played very good footy. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite unfortunate not to go to do a three-peat and win three in a row yeah we wanted to most of us wanted to leave straight after that game we're like you know why should we hang around and play playoff you know for three and four but it was actually really good that we stayed we had no choice to be fair um but (laughs) (laughs) but emotionally you're like look just want to get out of there you just want to run um you've had a massive low you've missed out on the opportunity to make the finals and we saw it as an opportunity to see Rito and um, a few great players off to make it a week about them. And, um, yeah, we, we put it on for them against Wales. We finished third, which didn't meet our goals. But uh, at least we finished on a high note and we showed up and did ourselves proud on the, the following week. must be surreal playing with two other brothers in the All Blacks at the Rugby World Cup. must be crazy. Yeah, I mean, just to share those moments I talk about throughout a week. Um, yeah, it's so cool to do it with your brothers. Um, mm. It's one thing to just be in that environment and make new friendships and hang out with your teammates, but to do that with your brother is, yeah, it's so rewarding. And uh, often I'm reminded of those moments on the back lawn where we used to. I used to pretend to be Andrew Murdens and um, Geordie, maybe Christian Cullen or whatever, and to be living those that dream um, 
yeah, often we'd just think, gosh, this is, this is amazing. One thing a lot of questions came in about was um, the move to the Blues. Obviously, yep. you're a Hurricanes legend. Um, I remember this move quite vividly. I remember rooming with you in Joburg in South Africa when you first sort of mentioned it and told me the situation. Um, I remember how tough it was for you. Uh, do you want to talk about that decision and what it came down to in the end? Yeah, it was um, a very difficult one. Mm. Uh, and one that, I mean, I'd had previous offers by the Blues. Um, in fact, I was offered a, at the same time I signed the wider training group contract in 2011, the Blues offered two full seasons. So, And then again, three years later with JK, and obviously this one, so it's kind of like third time lucky. But it was to leave a club where you've played 120 games, uh, things like your father's played for the club, your brother's playing for the club, mm-hmm. um, a team that you've looked up to and adored for you know all your life. Um, watching the greats play, Cully, Tana, and so on. But probably more the teammates, those bonds and connections and friendships you've uh, made and you enjoy, and the reason, the big reason you play footy, Those that was probably the hardest thing. Mm. Like I was becoming a little bit bored of the same same, of the same environment, um, same it just got a little bit repetitive to me and I needed some sort of change or stimulation if I wanted to stay in New Zealand and play for the All Blacks and not go offshore for good and play footy so um, yeah it was also a, a personal family decision so we thought look, we're going to end up living in Auckland at some stage. Wellington isn't home. You know, I'm a Naki boy. Um, my wife and I met in 2013. She's studying. Um, so we had a good stint down there together, and we felt it was time. I, I wanted to make a shift to Auckland while still playing and make that transition whilst playing um, because I wanted to challenge myself in a different environment, stimulate myself to ultimately become a better All Black and better player for New Zealand because um, mm. once again, I didn't want to go overseas at that stage. And it's obviously Hannah's home. Um, it was always going to be our future home. So I was like, look, let's. that was a big deciding factor, um, life quality. I love living in Auckland. It's uh, great having Hannah's family support around, uh, family and friends around, and it has so much to offer as well. So, and I get my barbecue out five nights a week instead of once a year. <laughs> but uh, so there are so many different factors. Um, mm. But it came down to ultimately a quality of life, like. Am I living the best life I can? Because, yes, rugby is important, but 
I can still play rugby and have the best life we can have as a family um, in Auckland. So I thought mm. I just ticked so many boxes. Yes, the legacy of being a one-club person played on my mind was a factor. Yes, leaving Geordie was a big factor or a big big burden. Um, and, of course, leaving my teammates, Colsey, TJ, and so on, you know, that was tough. Um, but, yeah, ultimately it was a decision for me, for my family, and, yeah, I'm, I'm loving it up here. Well, I think anyone with kids will understand how important it is to have someone around who can help out with your kids, take the kids when you need and give you some just that extra pair of hands. And you obviously didn't have that in Wellington, but you had that in Auckland. And like you say, um, uh, family comes first. And I know a lot of the Canes boys accepted your decision and it made a lot of sense to me personally anyway. Yeah, exactly. And um, I'm so happy that we did make the decision when we did. Um, I don't know if I would have been too happy down in Wellington if I stayed. And I think it is important to stress that there is a bigger picture here. Uh, we play rugby for a very short amount of time and yeah. it was about me living my best life while still playing in New Zealand and also um, thinking of our future. It didn't mean you're not going to play them again though, so straight away you had a couple <laughs> of games against them the following year. Yeah. One in partic- the first one was a classic. Uh, you obviously knew Colsey was coming. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he came. <laughs> he scampered. I forgot how quick he was. And, and heavy. <laughs> well what about the celebration though oh uh, that was such a cool moment like um yes i wish i tackled him in the corner yeah but it was meant to be he scored a try on me and you know that celebration was was pretty funny i was, I was a little bit rattled i had to bounce back and get on with it that's such a cool attitude that you've got a lot of guys would just completely fire up there um, but you just took that on the chin you copped it like a champion and you kept playing and obviously still led the Blues to victory that day yeah I I was rattled especially because the main (laughs) man touching my head was Scrafton who was a Blue the previous (laughs) year so quite ironic (laughs) um but no, nah, it was funny. I love yeah. the banter with Colsey. <laughs> oh, and that other video of him uh, on player cam chasing you and pushing you and then you chase him. <laughs> yeah, was, honestly, he just wanted to really put a shot on me, but he, when I say shot, like a good old punch in the ribs or, or yeah. whatever, but he didn't really get the opportunity to. So <laughs> this is his moment. I think it was in the 70th minute. It was quite late. Yeah. Yeah, because you chase after him, eh? <laughs> I wanted to like tackle him, but I would have I would have got penalised for it. Yeah, so I tried so a you... cheeky foot trip. <laughs> <laughs> Did he say anything? Because even on his podcast, he said that there was something he just never wanted to say anything to. He didn't want to go overboard. Yeah, no, nah, there was never um, any nasty words. Mm. It was more oh, just. The anger was in his eyes, and that you know that that point he gives you when he bites his grits his teeth. Yeah. Oh, he's classic, love him. And then, but obviously, the other game at the Cake Tin. Now, this was something that sort of 
grinded my gears a little bit. Um, the return of the King, you came back in the Blues jersey this time. The crowd was booing you. Um, and to hear that Hannah was uh, abused from the crowd and stuff was thrown at her, it was all pretty disappointing to hear. So how, how did you feel about all that? Um, at the time, I was gutted. Like, yeah. I never knew it would be easy to come back and play the Canes, play my teammates. Mm. Um, but to hear it from fans, it was it was disappointing. Um, I don't like booing full stop. Like, I appreciate when we play overseas and, you know, it's quiet when kickers are kicking. Um, they respect the kicker and so on. Um, so, yeah, it was... It was so disappointing to hear that. Um, I understand they were gutted, and to be fair, they probably don't know how to support someone or show dislike for someone in any other way other than booing. So I took it for what it was afterwards when I looked back on it. But, yeah, it was disappointing when after the game, Han was quite upset. You know, people were throwing stuff at her. That was That's what really annoyed me. Um, yeah very disrespectful so it wasn't the homecoming I was I was hoping for um, no. but I understand that fans are passionate uh, they were obviously gutted that I was wearing a blue jersey and to be fair they were probably just booing the fact that I was in a blue jersey I think that's right but yeah the part with Hannah's unacceptable it's uh, that's shocking but um, that game on the field you, you scored a nice try sold TJ up the river with a nice dummy but Nani got you back pretty good. He did. I was, yeah. He's, um, oh, you'd know Jabbit. Anyone who can run around you or over you are daunting to defend, <laughs> especially when you give them so much space. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was sat on my backside, ran around. Um, but he's just a, he's a freak of an athlete, though, so. I wouldn't say I was surprised. I was just unfortunate to be in that position. He's yeah. done it to too many, too many players. <laughs> yeah, Banksy <laughs> said on his one that he now feels happy that he's been done because you've been done. So if the best player in the world has <laughs> been done, then it's, it's all right. Everyone else can be. Yeah, he's um, oh, I absolutely love playing with nuns. Um, it's sad to see him going, but I can I understand his decision. It's um. He's thinking the big picture. He's been patient yes. and fair play to him. Mm. He'll be missed big time. Yeah, he will. Yeah, I felt like I thought he was potentially going to go last time his contract was up. I felt like he wasn't probably getting the rewards he probably deserved. And this time yeah. I thought maybe he might, since he's sort of cracked in now, I thought he might have stayed mm. this time. But um, no, that's the thing. It's Like you say, it's only, you're only in the game for so long and got to look after yourself because there is no loyalty in the game. I mean, I guess the guys at the very top sort of get looked after up until a point, but um, here so often on this oh, podcast, completely agree. Guys, guys just get, as soon as their form drops, they are gone. So you can't afford to really be loyal. It's not really a franchise or province that's loyal or disloyal. It's usually the head coach or high-performance guy who either yeah. likes you or he doesn't. So. Yeah. You know, that's probably one thing the fans don't see. Yeah. It's um yeah, there's a lot more to it than just the franchise and staying for that for that reason. 
of being a one club person or whatever. You'll be a hurricane for ten years, a new coach comes on, he doesn't like you, and now you've got Yeah. That's it. You're spot on. But anyway, mate, you're back in New Zealand now. Um you're available for the All Blacks in this next squad? Yep. Yep, we are. Um Brody, TJ and myself are all available. Ten or fifteen? I prefer ten. <laughs> You've always known this. <laughs> uh yeah, look, I've really enjoyed my time playing for Suntory, um, wearing the 10 jersey there, and it reminded mm. me how much I enjoy that influence and more of a set-piece um, phase decision-maker there. Just mm. a little bit closer to the, the engine room and can have a bit more say. So, yeah, I think um, for me I'll be, I'll be focusing on that. And your kicking game seems to be on an absolute zone. You, you kick variation, you're kicking the fat nicely. You've got all sorts of good kicks going on. Kicking the fat is, yeah. I've, I've been working with Dave Allred uh, for uh, 16 months now. Yeah. And unfortunately, I've only had the opportunity to work with him physically for one day. The rest oh, wow. has been just video and uh, WhatsApp. So, you know, I'd love for him to come over to New Zealand and teach kicking here because yeah. his knowledge around all round kicking game is just exceptional the best I've worked with so he's helped me with my spiral basically every it, all parts of kicking and you're, you're hitting your goal kicks nicely now too aren't you yeah I've been chipping away with small changes oh. um, but what I like about Dave is uh, he treats the drop kick and the goal kick pretty much the same so it's from a practicing point of view there's some real good continuity and um, lessons to be learned there but also around the way he structures his training sessions like that's that's probably the biggest biggest shift I've made around the way I practice yeah and it that should help me um, for my longevity in the game as well so what, what what do you do differently is it just shorter so instead of going out there and hoofing balls as hard as I can, like winding it right back and kicking at a less intensity oh, yeah. physically, so kicking at, say, 40% intensity, but obviously 100% attitude and mindset oh, and focus, it's very challenging, but it's yeah so rewarding and it teaches you how to do the fundamentals yeah. better and properly. And talk to me about your goal kicking throughout your career. Obviously, it's something that I guess you've copped a little bit of flack for throughout your career. Unnecessarily, in my opinion, I thought you've kicked pretty consistently. You've kicked for a long time. Um, how have you felt the pressure from fans and media around your goal kicking? Yeah, look, it's um, it's never been my point of difference or strength, um, so to speak. But, yeah, there have been seasons where I've had two or three bad days at the office mm. um, and that's typically given me uh, uh, not so good press or uh, perception on, on how I kick the ball yeah. but um, it's something I really enjoy yeah. and I'll always enjoy it, I'll always enjoy working and practicing on it um, kickers will keep kicking mate, there will always be those, those haters and those people criticising but you know, I'm always striving to 
to be better. And look, what Dave's doing with me at the moment, I'm really enjoying that. And he's um, he's already made some good gains with me. So hopefully you'll see that. And uh, to be honest, I don't really listen to that. The media, it's always going to be there, but uh, it doesn't bother me. Well, mate, you're striking them nicely in the top league, so looking forward to that crossing over to the black jersey and the Blues. So you're with the Blues next season? Yep, back with the Blues next season. So, yeah, looking forward to having a full season, full two seasons with them, actually. Because you signed with them for four years, right? Yep. One half season. uh, Then the Suntory season was my playing sabbatical, and then I've got two full years with them. So, yeah, really looking forward to that. To clarify for everyone listening, you that was always part of the contract, wasn't it? Some people have suggested that you sign with the Blues and then you've sort of surprised the sabbatical on them. No, no, I've always, so from day, well, when I signed, it was a four-year deal and that was black and white built in. Yeah. Um, I think people just forget yeah. <laughs> when making an announcement. It's like Blues, they see the Blues, but they don't see all the, yeah. <laughs> you know, years two, three, four. Yeah. So what, what, what are your plans going forward? you obviously got the Blues um, to look forward to. Yep. You've got the Rugby World Cup potentially to look forward to. Yes. Uh, blues next year. Um, I'll get out on Thursday. You can't play straight away, can you? Tasman? Well, if there's an injury. Oh, you can. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I'll go and, and do some training with them, uh, hopefully the week of the final, and uh, catch up with the boys and... and you hope they can win the Trans-Tasman. So you could play in the Blues-Hurricanes final coming up? Technically, it's well, it is possible. Wow. Look, it would take uh, for a couple of blokes, Oatsy, and I don't want to even mention yeah. it, like a couple of injuries. Yeah, shame. it would be a shame for Oatsy. <laughs> Did he ever come <laughs> into your mind when you decided to sign with the Blues? He did, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, like that year I went, um, my first season, I was playing it mostly at fullback, so yeah, um, I was happy to yeah. offer what I could at the back um, and Oatsy continued playing. I think it was the best team that we could have had at that time. I agree. You guys had a good combination too. Yeah, I couldn't have done it to him. <laughs> yeah, he's a good kid. Yeah, yeah he's a good player. So, life after rugby for Big Bowden and Barrett, what's the plans? You can probably retire living off with the coin you've made. I'd hope so, um, <laughs> because I've been investing um, well and thinking of the future. I've always been um, a little bit savvy when it comes to, to that business and that. Mm. So, I want to be financially free, but... I know yep. that I will. I won't better retire and do nothing. Um, yeah, but I don't know what what it is I'll be doing. Mm. Initially, it might be being a stay home dad and um, freeing up hand to go and do whatever she would like to carry on doing with her career. Yeah, not that she stopped. She's still finding. Um, well, she's still got heaps of work on. She's on a board mm. of a company and um, also doing. A lot of her social media things. So she's a an accountant, um, chartered accountant naturally, but 
Mm. Who knows where she could go next? Mate, you're a power couple, you two, aren't you? But you would be a guru stay-home dad. How have you found being a dad? I've loved it. Absolutely love it. Um, yeah, I could, I, could, I could do it. I'd be mm. happy to do it. And um, yeah, I'll support my wife if she wants to go to a full-time job. I'm sure there'll be a good daycare down the road where I could drop the kids off and go and play <laughs> golf most days. <laughs> what a dad. Have you got any plans for any more kids? Yeah, we'd like to. We'd like to push on. Yeah. Um, so Billy's only 11 months now. 11 months, oh, 8 yeah. months. And, um, <laughs> yeah, we'd, we'd like to kick on. Um, I don't know how many. Three or four would be nice. Not like your parents? We don't, we're not spoiled for space <laughs> or a farm up in, up in Auckland. So, um, yeah, having eight kids in, in town would be quite... Yeah. Crazy. Eight kids in general. It's madness. Don't know how your parents did it. Yeah. How's Billy going? What's her personality like? She is full on. She is, is she? um Yeah, she's full on. I think she <laughs> has a lot of her mother's personality. And um yeah, she can be quite very joyful, very fun. Um can be quite demanding and needy. Yeah. So yeah, she's <laughs> she's awesome. She's a little ripper. Oh, that's good stuff. Anyway, what a journey, what a career. As always, we've gone to our Instagram for some questions, and I say this a lot, but oh, you've literally got thousands here, so I'm just going to be able to choose a few. But there's some good ones in here. First question: How do you practice your mental skills? I've got a couple of routines I do each week um, which which uh, channels my thoughts and um, I guess allows me to be focused on what I need to focus on come kickoff and, and game time yeah. it's easier to become really cluttered uh, you know with so much happening in life with social media um you know, general media, uh, people's opinions, and so on. So naturally, they'll come and creep in. So I do a little thing called three circles, can control, can't control, can influence, and literally I just put all my thoughts in those circles. Um, I do that towards the end of a week, um, and that allows me to feel really light, bright and clear come the back end of the week and that allows me to just I guess play freely and instinctively and um, puts all those things to side geez I like that you can do it even if you're not playing footy just in general yeah yeah very cool great start okay how do you deal with people hyping up players in your position um oh look at Hype is, is something that is just getting bigger and bigger with social media these days. There are so many different channels and, um, you know, there's so much more these days that uh, there's a lot more hyping up, but there's also a lot more criticizing. It's just the way it is. Everything's a bit more extreme. So 
yeah. um, naturally it's like, oh, that's naturally it doesn't sit well with you. You're a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. You're like, gosh, I wish that was me. But, um, you know, the next week it can be completely different. So that's mm-hmm. just the way it is with media. And uh, with this game, we play a lot can happen in seven days. Sure can. You're 100% right. You can be absolute hero to villain in the space of a week or two games, can't you? This brings on to the next sort of question. Heaps of questions are about this guy, Richie Mwanga. What are your thoughts on Richie Mwanga? Oh, he's an absolute top bloke. Um, I can I don't have a bad thing to say about him. So, um, yeah, he's a great family man. He's a, he's an entertaining lad, great guy to be around. Um, but I just love being in the same team as him when it comes to the All Blacks. Um, I've enjoyed our little 10-15 um, combination because, yeah, we believe that it was uh, a good thing for the team. And, um, yeah, I, he's playing out of his skin at the moment. He's Yeah. Yeah, he's on another level. So, um, yeah, I look forward to getting back into, hopefully, the, the all-black environment and... Um, you know, going at it again with him. But we keep in touch often. Um, we've got a really good relationship and it kind of makes me laugh when you see all these other things on social media. It's like, yeah, if only they knew how good we get on and it's always yeah. been the case with um, our greatest, you know, competitors or teammates. Mm, mm. Do you think it's his year to play 15? <laughs> <laughs> it's his turn, eh? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see he went, I think he might have finished up back there last week, so I'll be quite happy if that's the case. <laughs> it's his turn. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Alternate <laughs> years. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, there's that many good fullbacks around too at the moment. There sure is. It's great. It's so good for the All Black squad. Um, you know, I think it's, also needed this year there's essentially 15 test matches so yeah uh you know we're gonna need to use the full squad um the whole depth and it's going to be tough to decide who who starts there at the you know in the mm. first few games but it's a good problem to have Shit, yeah we had plum on last week and he was struggling to decide but if you were the selector who would you go 10 15 you can pick yourself no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go Marty Banks <laughs> and Geordie. <laughs> you see Banksy up in up in Japan. Yeah. He's doing Smoking things that guys. you've never seen before. <laughs> Tackling. <laughs> Tackling. Oh, we got a question from Banksy actually. Is Bodes Well a champion? Yep. Bodes Well <laughs> is a champion. Bodes is... That must be one of your um, investments that you're talking about, your savvy investments. <laughs> Gosh, my other investments are a bit safer than this one. <laughs> but, yep. Jabby, you know Bodes Well very well. He's our um, horse uh, in the Naki had the opportunity to go to Australia and um, as a stayer, I believe. So 
Isvitel not long ago. Um, put him back in the paddock to rest up and, and get ready for a big spring. Is that the plan, Jabba? Yeah, I think that's the plan. And he shows a lot of qualities like his old man, you. Uh, <laughs> he, can, he, can, he can go forever. He's just he's just probably short of that six week speed program. To be fair, he's just sort of lacking that top end speed. So I think he's gone back, back to the, the paddock for that six week speed uh, program because he's, oh, he's, he's going to come back a champion. He finishes strong, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I'm actually looking forward to getting on track with you and Banksy at one race meeting and winding him home. Hopefully, absolutely. Okay, next question. What's your best wow am I actually here moment? Ooh, wow I'm actually here. Gosh, it's been a lot. Super Bowl was one. True. Yeah. Super Bowl uh, in Miami last year was definitely one. Um, actually, that first sevens uh, tournament I was in, yeah. We played in, um, I was in Twickenham, at Twickenham and we arrived a bit earlier to prepare for a game and we were watching other sevens teams and I just sat there in the, in the seats in the stand. I was just thinking, wow, like, is this, mm. like, I'm actually here. I was at school last year, now I'm at Twickenham about to play in a sevens competition for New Zealand. Like, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, well, that's a good one. Okay, how many times do you say seed in a game? This is from O'Teddy Black. Oh, when I watch him, I say it all the time. <laughs> Whether it's a pass or a kick. Um, yeah, it's every time I see, yeah, Geordie had a good one or oh. Oatsy had a good one. The other ones I use that phrase with the most. Yeah, they kick some seeds. Okay, keys to a good Bronco. Well, you've got to be fit. You've got to know your plan. And my plan is do the first lap about 80%. Mm. Um, and then after that, I try and stay with whoever's leading for um, basically for three, three laps. Yeah. And then after that, I've still got a bit in the tank and I just just send it after, you know, for my last <laughs> lap. send it, all right. <laughs> just to try it. And that 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 has broken TJ many times. He he knows that if so he goes he goes out real hard to try and lose me because he knows <laughs> I don't want to blow out too soon, but I just fight and stay with him for as long as I can. I know that if I've got him on the last then yeah, I just yeah. Classic. What happens if you're running it by yourself? Well, you can time it, so you just stick to your oh, um, yeah. splits, forty-five seconds or whatever they are. Um, mm. Yeah, that's how some people do it. That's probably the best way to train for it. But TJ does; he cleans me up on the yo-yo, so it's good to get him in the Bronco. Does he? I don't think yeah. he'd be anyone in a yo-yo. No, he's pretty good. He's good at those turns. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he loves it. Okay. If you could get on the piss with three people, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, jeez. I've been spending some time with Sean McMahon up in 
Japan. He is one man. He is a weapon. Is he? <laughs> yeah, he's an absolute weapon. He's got a tattoo on his um, leg in the weekend. And he's also got a VB. Like he's got all these tattoos. He's a he's an absolute rooster. But because I've been doing, I've had a few sessions with him. I won't say him. Uh, John Daly. I'd love to play oh, golf yeah, yeah, and yeah. rip it, grip it, and sip it with him. Um, John Daly. Honestly, I've been away from the Naki for that long. I'd throw white bait on the list right now. Yeah. Oh, rooster. Craig Hammersley. Um, and oh, my rooster mates. I've just got to say the roosters. The roosters. Love it. Well, that's a good answer. <laughs> okay. Your favorite wine? Oh, that is very difficult. Um, I buy a lot of my wine through off Euro Vintage, um, and my go-to red wine in New Zealand is uh, any Timata from the Hawke's Bay. Oh. Their Coleraine or Bullnose Syrah, right up there. Like that. Yeah, Coleraine's a. Um, he's, that's their premium, premium red. But their oh. bull noses are, yeah, top notch. Get me on that. That sounds. Oh, it's so hard. There's so many good New Zealand wines, yeah, but that would that'd be my go-to. Okay, next question. You're Japanese. How's your Japanese now? Uh, I can understand conversation a lot better than previously. Um, mm. Like I understand a lot of random words, but I can't. Yeah. Like put a sentence together, if you know what I mean. Are you still saying offensive words in Japanese? Most probably. <laughs> Do you remember your Honzai um, Frank? Oh, God. <laughs> that, that was... I've never Talk me through that Corey one. That's still one of that. my favourite pranks, hey? I've never forgiven CJ for that. <laughs> oh, how did we fall for that? <laughs> It looked like a pretty legit setup. <laughs> it was. And yeah. you didn't want to be disrespectful and as a as a young all black we never said no. We're always like, Yep, yep, mm. absolutely. So yeah. um so yeah, we were ripe for the picking and yeah, they <laughs> really stitched us up. I wish <laughs> I'd pay a lot of money to have that destroyed off the internet <laughs> how much are we talking because <laughs> i think it was for cure kids wasn't it so yeah yeah it was for a good cause but oh man, absolutely yeah, yeah yeah i always happy doing things for cure kids but oh, i'm scarred <laughs> and every now and then it gets revisited and i'm yeah i run for the hills We'll have to bring it up again. Oh, it's one of the It <laughs> makes me laugh. <laughs> Colsey's is probably worse. Colsey's doing all sorts of stuff. Oh, Running yeah. from the shark and Honzai. <laughs> oh, so good. Okay. Which Barrett goes best on a bender? 
Um, Geordie's probably the most conditioned. Mm. <laughs> um, I would, yeah, probably Geordie. Mm. Hard to argue. He goes good. Okay. The process to releasing your book. Now, this is a book that I've been reading most nights. My son Toby loves it, loves the Bodie Barrett book. What's the process to releasing that? It was really, um, it was quite random. Like, we went into lockdown last year, and my agency suggested um, Ricky Swinnell as an author. Mm. Or, or to write it and basically Ricky and I over probably 10 Zoom calls for an hour or so yeah. managed to get enough content or basically it was an interview like this she got enough content for her to write everything out then when, when we got out of quarantine or out of isolation um, we managed to do some filming or some capturing images and for the drills yeah. and all that Um as well as mum, mum's kept like a big scrapbook and a lot of photos and that. So we managed to put this thing together pretty quickly. And it was basically something for kids where I can share my story on my upbringing right through to my first All Black test. So um, there's obviously a lot more, a lot of stories that I haven't included in that. Um, and hopefully that might be for a later day, but it's more for kids um, teaching them how I did it. It's not to say it's the yeah. way to do it, but it's just my perspective and my my story. Wow. Not just Toby loves it. I love reading that book every night. It's one of my favorite books. Big fan. <laughs> <laughs> what a read. Oh. <laughs> my son Toby was obsessed with Geordie. Obviously, really? the Canes, Geordie was nice to him, but then Geordie doesn't have a book and he gets to read the <laughs> Bodie book every night. So you're, you're fast becoming the favorite. Oh, let's just get him on that six-week program and he'll be sorted. <laughs> okay, last question. One piece of advice you would give to a young kid who's trying to fulfill their dream? Like probably not to let people's opinions discourage you mm. and be patient like in my journey some of my biggest doubters were my some of my coaches like at a young young age um and thankfully i had some good support around me like my parents um who would always encourage me that probably outweighed the influence or um, I guess opinions of some coaches mm. uh, because it can be very political at a young age and even right right through to the top so if there's a coach that doesn't like you or won't pick you or start you or whatever don't get too disheartened or don't give up there and then just use that as motivation and be patient to um get another opportunity somewhere else. It could be a year later or it could be five years mm. later. So effectively just keep loving the game, um, keep enjoying it. And if you do that, then everything will take care of itself. 
Mate, that is powerful, powerful advice <laughs> from the best to ever do it. Mate, it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure to have you on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to go through your journey. You're one of the most gifted players I've ever played with. I loved my times playing with you at the Hurricanes. I genuinely don't think I would have had the career I did at the Hurricanes if you weren't at 10. Um, you're a massive influence on me. I learned so much from you, and it's been awesome following your journey, um, keeping in touch over the years. And, uh, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast um, and going through your story. Thank you, Jabba. Absolute pleasure, mate. Um, look, you're one of my favourite teammates. Uh, that may be in the book, actually. That, is that, you, read, that you read every night. Um, <laughs> five years in a row, you're team man of the year? Or was it three? Three, three. Yeah, yeah. three. Okay. Absolute pleasure, mate. Um, look forward to hearing this. And hopefully the fans got what they wanted out of it. And... Um, yeah, pleasure to be on Waterlad. Oh, mate, love your work. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, mate. Waterlad, 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 Waterlad.